In the name of Jesus, amen. Among you stands one whom you do not know. Jesus. That's who that is. Uh, Published in 2002, Rick Warren's The Purpose Driven Life has sold more than 50 million copies and has been translated into 85 languages. Uh, And I have no particular endorsement or criticism of this book because I have not read this book. Uh, But I am endlessly fascinated that this book uh, continues to be sold all over the world and that so many people have at least bought it, um, if, if not read the thing, because it is evidence that no one really knows what our purpose is, or else you wouldn't be reading a book about your life's purpose because you'd already know it and you wouldn't need to read, read that book. But we're all looking and we're all hoping that someone will come along and tell us exactly what our purpose is and what we are doing here. It seems like we are a people who are just wandering, aimless. Most of us are living largely unfulfilled, purposeless lives. We jump from one thing to the next, thinking that this will fix us and that something else will end our discontentment. If a leader fails us, well, we just wait till the next one comes along. And if our team loses, you know, there's always next year. Uh, Parents will build their whole identity around their children's hobbies, and then they either give them up, and then you don't know what to do with yourself, or they grow up and leave, which is what most of them do. And then what's left? We're all restless, searching and looking for peace and rest anywhere we can find it. And we think that it's something that is still yet to come. We're always kind of working towards this thing. We all kind of act like we're only going to have annoying anguish in this life. And so, unless you rest in Christ, you will be forever wandering. And you will be forever looking for something new to fascinate you, to entertain you, and to fill your time. Unless you rest in Christ, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is actually the beginning of a whole lot of things. We want this. Because the truth is that he does stand among us, and we do not recognize him. People were going out into the wilderness to be baptized by John in the Jordan River to find this peace, and John proclaims that Christ is among them, but they don't know him. They don't recognize him. The Lord of the universe stands among them, and lives among them. He holds all things together, and he is the beginning and the end of all things, and he holds everything in his hand, and he gives daily bread, and he makes the rain fall upon the good and the bad, and he is not recognized. 
And in the church, we know that we are waiting for his return. Yes, we are. He is coming to judge the living and the dead. He is coming to make a new living world out of this old dying world. And yet, he has already come to you. And he is among you. Do you know him? So on one level, it doesn't really matter because no one asked him to come. No one said, here's how you should do this and here's the good way that we're going to get this done. And the Lord will do this whether you know him or not. And the redemptive work of Christ is already begun when no one in the whole entire world knows, not even Mary knows, that God and man have forever been united and reconciled when Jesus is a mere clump of cells in his mother's womb and no one even knows it and the work is already going on there. God coming down to man. Man being brought up to God. And we're all totally unaware of it. And there from the very incarnation of Jesus Christ, redemption is unavoidable. So do you want to be a part of this, though? Why wait? Why wait for Jesus to come back? I mean, you can't raise the dead, but you can forgive sins. You can't bring an end to all the suffering in the world but you can rejoice always. Paul advises us in the epistle reading today to do something really quite remarkable and almost totally insane in today's world. He says to let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And is that something that the church is known for, being just totally reasonable? Are we seen as a place of calmness and peace, where we have kind of well-thought-out ideas and where we behave reasonably towards everyone? The world panics, and yet we have peace. The world bears grudges, but we simply forgive. The world is dying, and we, we have life. Now, I've sometimes thought that uh, even if Christianity turned out to not be true, like if this were all a myth, even if the atheists are right, eh, it's, a, it's still a really good idea. Uh, Parts of the world where the gospel has been rejected, people who don't have Jesus, those are not nice places to live. And it's not that they haven't heard the good news, it's that they have utterly rejected it. And at some point in history, they all said, well, we're going to try and do our own better thing. Now, I know that this is controversial now, but... The idea that every kid needs a mom and a dad, 
that a mom and a dad should love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, that you should serve anyone and be reasonable towards everyone. That's good. Like We want that. If you are a slave to your impulses and your urges, I mean, where does that get you? And what does a society look like that just follows its fleshly lusts? It only breeds death and destruction. Interestingly, though, I am convinced that uh, this is true. And uh, it's not just a good idea, but it is truly uh, good and, and right for the whole entire world. And this is why the truth of the incarnation, this is why Christmas matters, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus matter. Because on our own, we're just careening towards death and destruction, but you have a Lord who is 100% committed to raising the dead and defeating death and sin once and for all. Kingdoms will rise and they will fall and they do all the time. Countries come and go. This one's not going to be forever. And yet the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word of the Lord endures all things. And so the church, we stand with our Lord, calmly waiting to pick up the pieces of a world that is bent on destruction. And we sit here and do crazy things like forgive sins, care for the suffering, wash the filthy, feed the poor. I'm talking about you. And we sit here and make known the one who stands among us even today, who is a light in the ever-growing darkness. That is who Jesus is. He's not distant. He's not far away. He is among us. He is Emmanuel, which just literally means in Hebrew, God with us. You do not go to him. He comes to you. And maybe, maybe you do not yet see him. You who have eyes to see and ears to hear and mouths to eat, lungs to breathe, see and listen, breathe his spirit. He is with you. And he unites himself to you and you to one another. Baptized into Christ and his church, you are not alone. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And there is not really a clearer image of all of this than the Lord's Supper. Here, he really does come down among us. And he really is with us. And he gathers us into himself and to one another. And he is your peace. And he endures. And he is your purpose. He is your reason for being. 
And he has come to baptize, to wash with the Spirit. And he will come again. For now, though, while we are waiting, see that he is with you. In the name of Jesus, amen.